You ever feel like, like it won't be all right? It'll be all right. You ever feel times when you just feel lost? Like you have no sense of purpose? No direction? Like every single day is just one empty day after another. I get so tired of living an empty life. Don't you? You know, we were created from the beginning to be spiritual beings. And if we're not in touch with that spiritual side, we'll never find what it is that we've been created for. Because we were created for something much more than just this world. Now it seems after you've been through the initial faith thing, the initial accepting Jesus thing, now it just seems like it's just easier to go through the motions, doesn't it? Just to do the daily grind. Serve your time. Do what you got to do to get through every single day. David in the Psalms, He realizes that there really is something more and he says, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is that you have made my days, but just a moment. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is just a breath. Even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom ghost. In vain they rush around heaping up wealth without even knowing who in the end it's finally going to go to. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. What will it take for us to believe that it's not just going to be alright someday? What will it take for us to believe that we can live our lives out every single day like we are spiritual beings living for something more than just this world? Believing in Jesus ruins it, you know. While you could once live in ignorance about what was the right way to live, we could pretty much do anything we wanted without any sense of guilt about doing it. Right? So we were seemingly happy in our pursuit of nothingness. Ah, the ignorant bliss of living the empty life. It was so simple then. Living that life is like a child who chooses to make mud pies in some back alleyway because he has never experienced what it's like to build sandcastles on the beach. 
We lived in ignorance about the kind of life we could have in God because, quite frankly, we didn't know any better. Now, when you make a commitment to live in Jesus, all of a sudden you become enlightened. All of a sudden you know what's right and what's wrong. You know the way God wants you to live. So if you choose to go back and do the things that you did before, you're not ignorant anymore. Which means you can't really enjoy it like you used to. Because now you know it's the wrong thing to do. It's not any fun anymore because you can see just how empty and meaningless that life really is. The book of Proverbs puts it this way. As a dog returns to its vomit, so is the fool who returns to his empty life. How's that for a nice word picture? The Apostle Peter puts it a little more eloquently. If we have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing Jesus, and then again we become entangled in it, we are worse off in the end than we were in the beginning. I think that the Bible acknowledges that there is this tension that exists inside of each one of us. We try so hard to live in both worlds, don't we? We want so desperately to have a meaningful faith in Jesus, and yet, deep down, we don't really want to give up the stuff in this world that we love so much. So, when it comes down to it, even though we've made a decision to follow Jesus, we're not experiencing the kind of satisfying life that is promised to those who follow Jesus. We're not experiencing the depth of relationship. We're not feeling the presence of God. We're not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus so boldly promised for all those who are willing to follow him. And I think what happens is that we think we'll try out this Jesus thing for a while. We think it's going to be this quick to all that is wrong in my life. But after a while, it just kind of feels like work. You know? And we stop doing our part, and we expect now that God's going to pull his weight. He should be making me feel his presence. He should be making me feel his peace, his closeness. That miraculously, somehow, I should always feel close to God. Even though all the while, I have become slowly, completely disengaged from the spiritual side of my life. And completely disconnected from Jesus. So what does it take to have the kind of satisfying, fulfilling life where we can move past these feelings of emptiness and start living the kind of abundant life that's been promised. I think it comes down to one word, and that's faith. But I'm going to make a distinction, because it goes beyond just the faith in which we say, I have faith in Jesus. 
I have faith that Jesus can save me. I have faith in God. It's more than that. Jesus says even the demons believe that and shudder. It's not enough. It's not enough to have a flash in the pan kind of faith. It's not enough to have this quick fix. We need a faith that's more than just a Sunday morning thing. More than just a quick prayer before dinner thing. It's a faith that is rooted in a relationship. It's building a faith that is sustainable. In other words, it's a faith that's going to last. It's a faith that no matter what comes our way, no matter what we go through, that that faith will stand the test of time and endure to the end. I think that we're all sincere about our desire to live in God. Otherwise, we wouldn't even show up on a Sunday morning. I think that when we talk about wanting to see change in our lives, I believe deep down that's what we all really want. But whether we like it or not, there is this huge disconnect between what we want and the way that we're living our lives. And we will never, ever find true joy in our life until we stop dabbling around in the world and take on a faith in God fully where I say, I'm in. I am all in. A faith that moves us from a Sunday morning faith to a faith that changes our lives. A faith that changes everything. There's a story in the Bible that I just love because I think it paints a picture of the simple beauty of faith. And it's found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. And just to give you a little context of this brief moment in time, Jesus has been speaking to a crowd when all of a sudden this man named Jairus comes up to him and says, my daughter is dying, please, please come with me and heal her. And so he goes with her, goes with him. He's on a mission. He's in a hurry. This girl is dying, and he's going to go heal her. So Jesus went with him, Jairus, and a large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So Mark says that this woman was bleeding for more than 12 years now. She had endured an incredible amount of suffering over the years, and not just physically. Because in that time, in the Jewish culture, a person with this kind of disease was considered to be unclean. This woman was a social outcast. If she was married, if she had kids, her family would have disowned her. She had spent all of the money that she had going to doctors, trying to look for a cure, but instead of getting better, she was getting worse, and it appeared that her disease was incurable. She had lost all hope of ever getting any better. This woman's disease is a metaphor for us this morning, for the things 
in our life that we struggle with. The things that hold us back from living free. The things that hold us back from living the kind of abundant life that Jesus promises. And we all struggle with something in our lives. We can all play games. We can all put on nice airs and smile. But we all struggle with something deep down. And we've been led to believe that our issues that we're dealing with in our life, that they're somehow insurmountable. And by that I mean we have a hard time believing that we can overcome these demons that haunt us. We have a hard time believing that we can really overcome the junk that controls us. And so there comes a point where we just give up. We just accept it as normal. We just accept it as this is the way it is. Do you really believe that Jesus has the power to heal whatever it is you struggle with in your life? I mean, in your heart of hearts, in the middle of the night when it's just you and God, do you believe? Our failures, these issues, our struggles, they become a point of vulnerability in our lives. It becomes an open door where the devil can just walk in right up to our ear and whisper, you're a fake. You're a hypocrite. Satan begins to win when he starts convincing us that God could never love the real you. You know the you that only you know, that nobody else knows. The you that only you and God know about. But Jesus, his focus was never on those who thought they were perfect. Or had it all together. His attention was never on the beautiful. Jesus loved the unlovely. And he looks past the stuff in our lives and he sees who we were created to be. He doesn't see who you are. He sees who we can be. Who you are intended to be. A spiritual being in him. If you would just reach Well, it goes on in verses 27 and 28. It says, When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. It says, When she heard about the one who had the power to heal, she put all of her hope, all of her faith in just one thing. Jesus. And when she heard about Jesus, she committed to act radically in order to bring about change in her life. She did whatever it took. And it began with one simple act of faith. If I could just touch his clothes, I can be healed. But there was this large 
crowd around Jesus to the point that she couldn't get through to him. I'm sure she was too ashamed to call out to him, to address him face to face. She's felt badly for, about herself for so long, she feels inadequate. So she sneaks around behind Jesus as he's walking. She pushes her way through the crowd. And in a moment of desperation, she just reaches out her hand and touches the very fringe of the clothes of Jesus. Verse 29, it says, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she was healed. And I love the choice of words that Mark uses here next when he says, and she was set free. What is it that you need to be set free from? What is it that holds you back from living the life that you were meant to live? Verse 30 says, at once Jesus realized that the power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you? His disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him, the whole truth. It's amazing to me that at once, Jesus somehow realizes that power has gone out from his body. And he stops cold in his tracks and he says, Hey, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? The crowd just stops and they look around at one another and nobody's saying nothing. And I would imagine it's just one of those moments when you could hear a pin drop because everybody's thinking, Jesus is ticked. <laughs> we know from one of the other Gospels that it was Peter who finally breaks the ice. He says, Lord, what do you care who touched you? I mean, look at this crowd. It could have been anybody. Everybody's touching you. Peter doesn't get that it wasn't about somebody touching him. It was about somebody reaching out to Jesus with such a faith that they were healed. You know, it's interesting when you think about it. All these people crowding around Jesus, bumping into him, touching him. Could they not have experienced the same life change as this woman? Couldn't they have experienced the same healing? I mean, Peter himself has touched Jesus a thousand times, and yet nothing ever happened to him. But when this social outcast just barely touches the fringe of his clothes, she's healed. The woman realizes that she can't slip away unnoticed, and I'm sure she's scared to death thinking that Jesus is going to be mad because according to ceremonial law, if she touches him, he becomes unclean. 
But she comes to Jesus, she falls at his feet, and trembling with fear, the woman begins to tell Jesus the whole story of her painful journey. And instead of yelling at her, instead of getting rage on her, instead of trying to get rid of her because he has some place to go, Jesus says to her the kindest words that she has heard in more than 12 years. He looks down and he says, daughter. He calls her daughter. Not dirty, not repulsive, but with a tender voice, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. And be set free. We get stuck in the same old patterns of sin and emptiness, and we remain unchanged. And it doesn't matter whether we've made that initial decision to follow Jesus. Because some years down the road, we just get apathetic and we give up. It just becomes too much work when all we have to do is to reach out to Jesus in faith and be set free. The greatness of this woman's faith was that she believed with all of her heart that Jesus had the power to change her life forever and she did whatever it took to be healed. I hear that story And I think to myself, how many times have I been so close to Jesus that I could just reach out? I come to church every Sunday morning and I feel like I'm always just this close. I've been rubbing shoulders with Jesus all my life. And yet somehow my life remains empty. I remain unchanged. How does that happen? I want to live differently, don't you? I want to finally have the life that I've dreamed of. And I'm just so tired of living out an empty life. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. What is it that's holding you back from living the life that God wants you to live? Some sin, guilt from the past, apathy, boredom, not wanting to give up something of this world. Ask yourself in your heart of hearts, do you really believe that Jesus has the power to change your life? Do you really believe that living a life in Jesus can really cause you to overcome whatever struggle you're facing in your life? To believe that there is so much more to this life than just what we can see and touch and to begin to walk fully in our faith, to be able to be in touch with our spiritual nature. The question is this. 
Are you willing to go all the way? Are you willing to go all in? Because it requires work. It requires commitment. It requires striving for a daily connection with Jesus. That we not only believe his words, but that we do whatever it takes to have the kind of faith that brings us beyond just the Sunday morning experience. I'm telling you this. You are this close to Jesus right now. And if you will just reach out to him and to stay connected to him every single day, it will change everything about the way you live.